All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Ace and Trey Club. I'm the Trey Club, Joseph Williams. Unfortunately, you guys, the Ace is out for this week, but we do have a special guest here with me. We have the man, the myth, the legend. We have my dad back. Once again, it's been a while since he's been back. So, Dad, how are you? I'm doing good, son. I'm doing real good. And, uh, yeah, I'll be the ace today. Yes. Yeah, so he's going to be our ace for the day, and he's going to be rocking with us the whole show. So hopefully you guys enjoy my dad being on here. We got a great show lined up for you. But, yeah, before we get started here, I would like to ask you a question, because there's a story that's been brewing for a little over a year now, but it's been getting its public attention now within these last couple of weeks. You being a Mississippi man yourself and the whole Brett Favre situation, how does that make you feel as somebody that's a native Mississippi resident? Well, it kind of chaps my hide, as they would say, because someone had to have known, in, in my opinion, you know, I, we can't, you know, and, and how they do things now, you know, allegedly you have to say things like that now these days but someone you would think would have known that these things were going on um and and you know we we all know and and and, you know most people in the world know you know um when it comes to uh, athletics and and things and and high profile athletes uh you know especially dealing with universities there's always the opportunity for things to go on, especially with, with some boosters at, at, you know, uh, rich boosters, I should say at some of these universities. Um, so yes, I mean, you would think someone would have said something before now, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. I'm glad it's, it's coming out, uh, at this point in time. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, justice is served as they would say. Right. And I, you pointed out one thing real that I like to say, because we always had to say allegedly. And over the past few weeks, I said I always had to say allegedly. But of course, I obviously don't think it's alleged because you can't you can't. Like Photoshop text messages between somebody, you can do it, but for most part, I don't think these people out here are going to really Photoshop Brett Favre and the Mississippi governor their text messages and here now today we learned that he's been using his charity to fund his daughter's high school as well so it's like what kind of person is brett Favre as a human being now right and and so i think that the the key here is to me what what i see is brett Favre just got caught uh you know i think this is not this is something that goes on a lot more than we realize. Uh, a lot of people, you know, because they use these foundations and these charities and things to, you know, to avoid taxes. That's that basically, let's call it what it is. That's what they use them for. They, they avoid taxes uh, with these, uh, with their charities and 501c3s. So uh, I think he just got caught in his and, you know, that's what's that's what's taking place now a lot you know this goes on a lot and you know I, i'd be curious to see how many others have are, are doing this that just haven't got caught just yet so uh you know if the irs really put the hammer down on on people 
and, and audited these uh, these nonprofits the way they they that if you know if they had the resources to audit them, they, they a lot more people would get caught. But um, I think it's this is this is more prevalent than than we are aware of. Right, right. Well, as like we said, we're always going to keep this situation going and monitoring this as well because it's not just going to just end within the next couple of days so we're not going to hold too much time on that i just wanted to get your opinion on that but dad i know you're a big basketball guy we you know we're lakers fans and cowboys fans over here and nba media day has just passed earlier this week as we're recording this so here now we have the 2022 2023 lakers so my first question about this is for you personally, what outside of a championship, what would be a disappointment for you as a fan? Outside of a championship, not you mean not us not getting a championship, the Lakers not getting a championship? Correct. Not making it. I mean, not making the playoffs, you know, just just, you know, we we've seen this team and, and Anthony Davis and, and his 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 time in the NBA it's just been injury after injury every single year it's injury after injury after injury you know the year we did you know in 2020 when we actually did win the championship you know even though it was you know a, a stop and start you know due to COVID season mm-hmm. I think that season that time off really helped us because okay you know hopefully you know I, I just don't know if he would have gotten injured you know if the season had it kept going, you know, luckily for us, the season stopped, you know, he was ready to go when they came back, but he's shown over his entire career that he cannot play a full season in the NBA. And this year I, I expect the same, you know, the question is, is how many games will he miss? You know, that's, that's on everybody's mind starting in, you know, he's, he's talking a good game right now, you know, Oh, like we're going to be the underdogs and we're going to take the underdog role and, all of these things, but that's all fine and dandy. But can you play 72 games? Can you give us 70 games? Can you give us anything above 50 games? You know, because he's been known to not play that many games during the season. So I'm curious to see if Anthony Davis can play 72. Can he play, you know, you know, 80 games? Can he get there? Uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to uh, limit his his load for the for the season. But, you know, can he can he give us 72? Um, right. And then, you know, we can we can kind of make a determination at the at the end of the season after that. But I just I really want to you know, if they don't make the if they don't make the playoffs, then this is a, a, a huge disappointment uh, for this team. Right. And I'm going to agree with you on that, too, because, I mean, looking at here now, we're in LeBron's, I think, what, fourth, fifth season here now. First year, he misses the playoffs. Second year, they win the championship, even though it's a bubble COVID year. Third year, they get bounced in the first round. And here last year, they missed the playoffs, just completely terrible. So if you miss the playoffs again, it kind of hurts what we as a, as Lakers fans expect, what we've already been expecting, and then it's hurting LeBron's legacy as well because within this season that LeBron has the potential of passing Kareem in points and Magic Johnson in assists. So where would you put that, like, 
if he misses the playoffs here again, where would you put LeBron in your top five as, as far as legacy goes? Because, I mean, it's getting to that point where it's just like, can you make the playoffs anymore now? Right. I, I have never, ever put LeBron as the greatest basketball player. Uh, yes. Yeah, is he is he one of the greatest basketball players to play basketball? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is he the greatest? No. Uh, you know, there are a lot more. He's he's in the top 10, but there are others that I would rank well above LeBron. You know, you you can't you can't put him above Jordan. I, I, I can't do it. I cannot put him above Jordan. I wouldn't even put LeBron above Kobe. I wouldn't have put him above Magic. Mm. I wouldn't put him above, um, you know, some of the other greats, Bill Russell. So, mm. you know, there are others that he he is he is absolute one of the greatest, but he is not the greatest by far. Um, he has a desire to win. I think LeBron is, you know, after they won the championship, you know, you know, we hear all the rumors. We not we're not in the room when, when none of these things happen. I just don't know what what some of the talk was uh, uh, with him and his dealings with um, with his agency and and clutch sports and all of the, his involvement and who in deciding who plays for the team, and who doesn't. However, I think, you know, after that championship, the Lakers tried to get too cute a, as opposed to bringing back um, uh, Dwight Howard and bringing back the other bigs that they had and run it back again, the way that, you know, that same way um, you, that's how you win in the NBA. You know, all of these little running around, you know, the way the Warriors did this past year, you right. give me that 2020 team that Lakers had and I'll beat that Warriors team all day long. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe in, in doing, you know, yes, the Warriors did it. So, you know, I give them credit for that, but uh, I would give me that, give me those bigs, JaVale McGee, uh, Dwight Howard and um, Anthony Davis against that Warriors team, and we'll beat them. I'll beat them ten out of ten times. So, uh, so no, I, I think the Lakers just got too cute. And what, how, how much LeBron was involved in this? I, you know, we don't know. It's all up for speculation. So, uh, but you know, we, we're here now. So, you know, let's see if what they can do. I know. I'm sure he wants to win another one before he, before he exits the NBA. And, you know, time is running out on him. And speaking of media day, and as we're talking here, there's been one player that's been basically in the news all day, every single day, whether he's going to get traded, whether he's going to stay. And that being Russell Westbrook. And he had an interesting comment. Basically, it kind of seemed like he thought the Lakers or his teammates as kind of like co-workers or the general, the, the, front office as co-workers instead of actually like him being a part of the team so my last question for you here on this topic is if let's say Westbrook gets traded which is the one trade that's been circulating is a Buddy Hield Miles Turner trade for Russell Westbrook and maybe a first round pick and something else maybe if you as the Lakers get Buddy Hield and Miles Turner where would you see yourself as a team are you a championship contender? Or are you just like a deep playoff team? No, it's championship or bust. You give me those guys, it's championship or bust. There is no, there is no question about it. Uh, you know, you get you you have a pest like Patrick Beverly, 
uh, you know, on, on your team and you add those guys, especially the shooting uh, of Buddy Hill, I, you know, I, I just, it's just, hey, Buddy, you go stand in that line and just wait for the ball to get to you because it's coming, uh, especially when you got the penetration ability of LeBron. And, and you know, Schroeder's not the best shooter, but at least, you know, he he's a ball handler. But uh, Buddy Hill, you know, they, they can't leave him alone. So, you know, it takes the double team away right now. Um, I'm not afraid if I'm another team, uh, especially with Russell Westbrook, you know, he's a, as Stephen A would say, he's an accident waiting to happen on the court at, mm. at any given point in time. So I, I'm, you know, there's no need to double team him, uh, you know, especially from a shooting standpoint, but you put, you remove him from the equation and add a buddy here. Yeah. Things change at that point. You, the double teams go away. You can't, you know, you can't, try to double team AD down in the low post and try to get out to Buddy Hill all the time. It's not going to work. You will have threes raining on you all day long. So, so yeah, so that just opens up the floor. That opens up the floor for, uh, for, for, for the Lakers. If you get Buddy Hill on there. So, so that'll be, that'll be good if they get that for him, uh, for the, for the Lakers. Yeah. And with the few minutes that we have here, I think honestly, you get a miles Turner, you bring back the defense that you had from 2020, which was one of the best defensive teams we've probably seen in LeBron's time here, because now you have Miles Turner, who has been the league leader in blocks for the last couple of seasons here. You have Anthony Davis, who is always a front runner if he can stay healthy as a defensive player of the year. LeBron chase down. We already know what he does when he wants to play def- when he wants to play defense. Right. Then you have Patrick Beverly, another defensive guy, and Buddy Hill, who's not the best defender, but you get past Buddy Hill, you have all that clogging up what you're gonna do defensively. Right, but my, my but still it goes back to will Anthony Davis be on the court for 72 plus games? That is the biggest question. If you tell me, you tell me right now. Anthony Davis is going to play the whole entire season. Oh, we in the we in the uh, in the Western <laughs> Conference Finals. We are we are there. So you know, I, I I have that much confidence in this team. Now, what it is still going to depend on how much play you know. Once we get to that point, can we stop these other point guards? Can you stop uh, Clay Thompson and, and the Warriors and Steph and all those guys uh, from the guard perspective? Uh, down low, uh, you know, we, we can handle it down low, but it's going to come down to can you what's your guard play going to be like at that point? The Western Conference is not as strong as it used to be because everybody, you know, with all the trades and, and everything that is taking place, you know, the Jazz, uh, you know, the, the, the Suns are, you know, and they are kind of in a, in, a, in a mess right now. So, you know, the Mavericks, you know, the Mavericks are the Mavericks. But, um, you know, the Western Conference is, you know, it's there for the taking. Right. Well, we're running out of time here on the BGC Sports Network. This is the Ace and Trey Club. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Ace and Trey Club. I am the Trade Club, Joseph Williams. And as before, as I mentioned before in the previous segment, the Ace is unfortunately out, but I have a temporary Ace for right now. My dad is here. He's joining me here. He'll be here for me with the whole episode. So as we were just wrapping up 
the Lakers talk, we had to switch gears here now because we have some big time college football matchups here. We have number seven Kentucky going against number 12 Ole Miss. We have Clemson versus NC State, Oklahoma State versus Baylor, Alabama versus Arkansas. And then in the HBCU world, we have the State Fair Classic with PV taking on Gremlin here in Dallas, Texas at the Cotton Bowl. Then you have Texas Southern versus Alabama State and Alcorn State, where my dad is the biggest fan of, and Jackson State are on bye week. So we really only have two big matchups in the HBCU world. But that, as you've been mentioning to me, you've been wanting to talk about swag football, swag football, swag football. So my first question for you here is, who is the best team in the SWAC right now? Because I've been saying Jackson State. Jamal doesn't agree with me, but who do you say is the best team in the SWAC right now? So the best team in the SWAC right now, I you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. Know, with, with, and I wouldn't argue with anyone. I mean, Jackson State is 4-0. You got to give it to them. They, they are 4-0. Their record says they're the best team in the SWAC right now. We could, we could make a case that they haven't played anybody. Okay, you know, you play Valley, you know, you've played FAMU, uh, you know, you've played, you know, some other cupcakes, uh, but have they, you know, but they're 4-0. Hey, they, you you beat who was on your schedule. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Jackson State is not the best team, you know, in, in the SWAC right now because that's, you know, they record-wise, that's what it tells me that they are. So uh, I, I will I will give them their prop that right now they are the best team uh, in the SWAC right now. They are the only uh, undefeated team in the SWAC right now. So to me, that makes them the best team in the SWAC. Right. And I would also have to agree with you on that because, I mean, looking at what they've been doing, I mean, from the last two games that they played, I didn't see the we didn't see the middle, uh, not the middle, excuse me, uh, the Tennessee State game. But I mean, the Grambling game and the Valley game. Regardless of them having issues offensively wise, because what the biggest thing that's been in these last two games for Jackson State has been turnovers. They've been turning the ball over Shador's been fumbling. They've thrown interceptions. They can't get third. They can't convert on third downs. It's just a lot of things going on offensively wise. But it's like after they come after halftime and come back on the field, it's like the other team just forgets what they're doing defensively wise that was working in the first half. And then Jackson State still can put up your 60, 40, however many points. So I don't think there's a way that you can just take away them being the best team. I mean, PV is looking good at Jamal. I'm pretty sure he would say PV because he's a PV guy, but they are looking good as well. But, I mean, without hands down, you have to say it is Jackson State, no matter what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as you stated, Jackson State hasn't they, – they, they've come out slow. They, they play um, – in the first half, I think they, I don't, they were, I know they were tied with Grambling. I'm not sure that they ever trailed in that game. They trailed the Mississippi Valley, although it was seven to nothing. They did trail uh, in that game. Uh, I don't know if they trailed in the uh, Tennessee State game. However, they, you know, Tennessee, they did not put up 
uh, you know, 60 points on Tennessee State. The, the Grambling game was close uh, at half, but like I said, at halftime, they came out, they made some adjustments. Uh, the one thing that I've seen about Jackson State that I'm really not impressed with is that, yes, the scores are high, but they've run those scores up, uh, you know, in garbage time, if you ask me. Uh, Shadur, Shadur has stayed in these games a long, long time to get these numbers up. And, um, you know, it's and he does, you know, they 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 turn the ball over a lot. They they make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and, you know, but they they the talent that the other teams have yet to capitalize on any of the mistakes that they that they've been making. Now, you know, these these in the coming few weeks after they buy, you know, Jackson State, you know, they gonna they, you know, they're gonna have to play a much improved Alabama State, you know, a Bethune Cookman. They gotta go to Jacksonville. That's not an easy place to play Bethune Cookman, but they gotta go down there and play Bethune Cookman. They, you know, I don't know who Campbell is, but you know, they play Southern. That's a rival game. That's always a, you know gonna be a, a, a good matchup. So and you know, Texas Southern at home, you know, Texas Southern shut out Southern. So uh, you know, so you the the it's gonna be, you know. We'll see how how good they they really are. The one thing I don't like about Jackson State, Jackson State is a pass happy team, and mm. when it comes to championship, pass happy teams very seldom win championships. It's it's usually ball control teams that that can run that football, uh, that that usually and 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 take care of that time of possession that wins those championships. So right. I, it'll be I'll be curious to see. You know what? The, what? What? How they do the rest of the season uh, with some of these other better teams that are coming up on the schedule, right? And like you just said, I mean, you just you pointed out a great point was that they started off slow, and then the only game that they haven't really started off slow was their first game with FAMU. They it was like as soon as the game started, they was on FAMU like that, like that, like that, and and they ended up shutting FAMU out. So here now with the next couple of games coming up. We'll see how that goes for Jackson State and if they can actually turn limit turnovers and Shador can get back to how he was in the first game. But that yeah, my second question for you is last week, me and Jamal were talking about how in the Gremlin game, Deion Sanders had some very questionable comments and things that he said about well, first the Gremlin team. He thought that Jackson State was playing under to competition, which some people thought was a shot at HBCUs and HBCU football team. And then, as we were just mentioning in the last episode as well, he said that the lack of the people that traveled to Jackson State, whether as Grambling fans, should I say, was pathetic. Now, we factored in, me and Jamal factored in, there is no clean water in Jackson, Mississippi. The whole entire stadium ran out of clean water. People were passing out. It's probably nine over 95 degrees in Jackson, Mississippi. And you had to sit out in the middle of the day for a whole entire football game, which could take possibly three hours because they were on those ESPN pluses, which were your TV timeouts, everything like that. So you're sitting there just basically burning up pretty much so we felt like it was distasteful in Deion Sanders case but how do you feel about it as you've been because you've been with HBCUs and Alcorn since forever and 
now that Dion's here, it's kind of like everybody's paying attention now. So how did you feel as a longtime fan? I, I don't take the I, I, so what he said. I didn't take it that way. So I think I, people may have misunderstood where Dion was coming from. So the comment about the the traveling that's been that's always been grambling. So as you know, as Swack alums would already know the three highest traveling team fan from a fan base is is jackson state all corner southern those are those three teams everybody know uh those teams travel well and no matter you know good or bad though those teams are always going to have fans in the stands so uh gremlin you know they don't they're not a traveling team even at home they you know they stands are not usually full you know except for homecoming uh, you know, you might get a, a decent crowd, but for the most part, that that fan base doesn't go. They go to one game, that Bayou Classic. That's that's the game they go to. So that's that's not. I don't. You know, Dion is is not familiar with with. You know, I think this this. So he went to Gremlin. They played in Gremlin his first year um, at his you know, first year at Jackson State, but he's he's he he's not familiar yet with uh with how you know with how all the traveling and how fan the fan bases uh with all the teams around the swag so so he he'll he'll learn those things you know if he if he does stay long enough to learn those things but uh you know once he once he see he's you know he's seen all corn he's seen southern and he know those fans uh travel but that's not that's that's not surprising to any fans that of the swack and that know these schools so um you know his other comments i think his other comments were kind of taken out of context i think it's just more he's 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 doing it more towards his team than than a, taking any jab at at grambling i don't think that's what he was doing i think what dion is really saying and i'm not you know and it it's, you know it pains me to to take up for for Jackson State, but I think <laughs> what Jack what what he's really saying is he knows his team is better. He has a better he has better talent on his team right. than Gremlin. So I think he's what he's really letting his team know that his team did not play up to the level of their talent, and they played they played really down or below to the to the talent level. Of Gremlin, so I don't think it was any. I don't think he was taking any shot at Gremlin. That's not. That's not what Dion does. Dion is not. He's not about that. So I, I, I will give him. I won't. I won't. You know, say Dion was taking any shots at, at anyone like that, and because I don't think that's what he he was doing at all. Well, that's an interesting uh, little take on. It. I guess you could disagree to disagree as well. Uh, but like I said, we thought it was distasteful. You seem to think it's not, but that. Here now, it seems like everybody is trying to get Deion Sanders away from HBCUs, and the rumors keep swirling, especially as as to how he's turned around this Jackson State football team. And you haven't seen people like Travis Hunter, your five-star recruits coming into just the HBCU and all these people coming from transfer portals and now you have basically Deion Sanders is basically transitioned or transcended the HBCU landscape but it seems here now it's two years in a row where it's kind of like oh Deion's gonna be on the move after this season Deion's gonna leave to go somewhere else and I think last year we saw it big time because 
TCU was missing a head coach. TCU got rid of Gary Patterson. SMU had to get a new coach. And we all know Dion is from – well, he's not from Dallas, but he's pretty much lived his entire life in the Dallas area. So it's not like he doesn't have ties to the Dallas area. But now the rumor is he might go to somewhere like a Auburn and try to change around that program. So if Dion was to leave – Jackson State, how would that affect the HBC HBCU world going forward? I don't I so first of all, people have to realize Deion Sanders is smart. Deion Sanders is a businessman first, and he is gonna do what's best for Deion Sanders and Deion Sanders family. So the one thing that I can say about Deion right now is Deion is about family. And he has his sons with him. Dion is doing what what all men should do is being a father and and taking care of his kids, you know, and being with his kids. You know, he's had, you know, his, his sons are playing football for him. He's coached them since high school. So uh, but I don't think so right now. I think Dion, Dion is very smart as well. So Dion probably already knows. Okay, so if I go to another, if I go to one of these big time schools, okay, how many of these kids are gonna tra- can transfer with me? Can I take my sons with me? Can you know who all who all are gonna be able to go? So Dion can't take everybody with him, uh, and Dion probably also know once he got to those schools, especially say you go to an Auburn or or big time SEC school, the talent level is so much different. So you don't have you there's a there's a that that level that level of talent goes way up. So he there's there's plenty more Shadur Sanders that that's even better than Shadur Sanders at these schools, uh, you know, like an Auburn or Florida State. So, you know, I don't think he I think he he understands that and he knows what he would get himself into. And I also believe Dion wants to see his sons finish school. I graduate uh, before he gets on the move. Dion is that's why Dion still has his home in Canton, Texas. You know, he's only four hours. Dion, Dion had Dion is very smart. And 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 I, I can't blame Dion for how he the deals he had, whatever deal he's worked out with Jackson State. Uh, he still has his home right out here in, in uh, Canton, Texas. And uh, so once he once he once he's done at Jackson State, which I believe will be once his sons have graduated, then he will determine probably what his next move will be. Because at this point, does it make sense to try to get your sons, you know, put them in a transfer portal and bring them up to uh, you know, bring them up to Auburn uh, with him? So or wherever, you know, for wherever D1 school he decided to go to, if he decided ever decided to do that. So I think the it would be too hard and too difficult to try to do all of those things because there's a lot of kids he's brought to Jackson State. And I don't think he really wants to uh, leave those kids uh, there that he's brought in uh, right now, and especially the ones, you know, that he thinks, you know, can get to the NFL so, you know, if he, you know, like I say, I think he'll he'll stay there probably until his sons uh, are done playing football and then just determine what his next move would be. I mean, I feel like as all corn fans, we're going to have to wash our mouth out with some soap talking about all the Jackson State and, and uh, supporting them for what they've been doing here. 
Yeah, but I mean, we I all honestly, we all have to we have to support each other as 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 HBCUs. Mm. So you know, it's all good. You know, a lot of people don't. You know, I I, I would never said this much about Jackson State in I don't know how long, <laughs> but I can't be mad at the fact of what what Dion his is doing for for the university. I mean, they they brought him in. He's changed the program around. You know, the the kids are. You know, he's bringing in the kids, the recruits, uh, and, and they're winning. And, you know, I can't be mad at that. You know, we we won for six years straight the the, mm. the Eastern Division. And, you know, so it's time for us to uh, pull up our pants, put our big boy pants on and go out and try to win this West. Right. And as we got a minute here, I, I'll just say my few little tabbits that I got left here. I think when people if, if Deion Sanders does decide to leave Jackson State, I think people are going to realize that they should probably appreciate him more than what they're getting or what they're doing right now. Because, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, regardless of if you hate him, you love him, you dislike him, you like him, Deion Sanders has done something for the HBCU world that it has, hasn't happened in God knows how long. It probably hasn't happened ever since since before Deion got in. Great point. So, I mean, like you said, you get the transfers. Jackson State's basically turned its whole program around. He's getting new facilities put in for Jackson State, new fields, new jerseys, new equipment, just any everything in that can go with a successful football program at a Division One level, Deion Sanders has done. Great point. So you do have to give him his flowers regardless. But we are running out of time here on the BGC Sports Network. This is the Ace and Trey Club. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Ace and Trey Club. I'm the Trey Club, Joseph Williams. And as I said before, the Ace is not here, but we have the temporary Ace for the show. My dad is here, and as stated before, we are Lakers and Cowboys fans. So, unfortunately, if you don't like any of those teams, you're just going to have to deal with it. But, Dad, for the people, we always, me and Jamal always say this is the segment people wait for because people love to hate the Cowboys. They're going to watch us regardless just to hate on us. But for y'all out there, all I got to say for y'all, first of all, is how about them Cowboys? And how about Cooper Rush? Because now the Cowboys have won two games in a row with Cooper Rush at quarterback, which I thought I'm sure a lot of y'all thought they wouldn't have done. But here now, Dad, Cooper Rush is three and zero as a starter in the Cowboys with the Cowboys, and people are trying to say that he might be better than that. Now, me personally, no. Absolutely not. But there is starting to be people that think there should be a a quarterback controversy happening. So I'm going to ask you, should there be any controversy happening whatsoever? Absolutely not. There there is no (laughs) there's absolutely no controversy here to be had. This team cannot win a playoff game with Cooper Rush leading the helm. So. They need to stop the madness and and just just cut it out. Uh, Dak is the is the better quarterback. I, I think uh, one of I, I heard this earlier, but 
I, I absolutely agree with the with this with this um, with what they said about the Cowboys and and the offensive play calling. So what what has been taking place that I think they have been putting Dak in some awkward situations with some of the play calling and and having trying to get Dak to thread the needle on some of these uh, on some of these passes. You know, Kellen Moore, I think, you know, of course, you know, if Dak is the starter and Dak is a man, yes, you think he should be able to do a lot of these things. But I think now they they seem and I hope they realize that. Wait a minute. Our rushing game can be like this. Our offensive line is not as bad as we thought. And the one thing that nobody is talking about, when Jason Peters got in that game, that offensive Man. line changed. It was different. Off- it was a difference in the offensive line. So once he gets his win and gets himself in shape and ready to go, they don't need to bring him out. He needs to stay in there. And and then I could say, oh, yeah, that offensive line is ready. So Peters made uh, all the difference in the world when it came to to running that football uh, uh, Monday night. So we'll see how how they do, you know, coming up this Sunday, although, you know, the challenge is a little less, you know, with the mm-hmm. with the Redskins. Nonetheless, you know, it's still they're still the Redskins. Redskins, the commanders. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The com- gee. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get them out. Yeah, the com- oh, the commanders. Oh my gosh! Yes, the commanders for crying <laughs> out loud. So we'll see how they do against the commanders on Mon- on Sunday, and you know, command they're still an NFL team and they're still a division rival. However, you should beat this team and you should beat this team handily. So we'll see how uh, you know how Jason Peters Jason Peters continue to if he gets more reps, more snaps uh, on uh, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I think it'll, it'll be huge. I think that was a wake-up call for, for Kellen Moore and some of his play calling, like, huh, okay, maybe we can run this ball because he's quick to get away from the run game uh, right. in some of these games. So. Right. And also, well, speaking of person on the line, Jason Peters was at left guard for the first time in his career. But the left tackle, the rookie, Tyler, I don't think y'all are appreciating how much Tyler Smith has been doing. I mean, he's got a flag here and there, but I mean, this, this guy got the most flag on draft day because he wasn't the best. He wasn't quote unquote, the best offensive lineman that was on the board at the time. But since Tyron Smith got hurt, he's been holding down that left side, like a, like a, like an all pro left tackle. I will just say it right here. So, now, if Tyler Smith continues what he does, then you bring in Tyron Smith back into the lineup. You can put probably Jason Peters at wherever you want to put him on the line. He's going to do what he did because we just saw at his first time at left guard, the running game was completely different. Then Tyler Smith is going to hold his own, as we already know, wherever he wants to go. So now you have Zach Martin, Tyler Smith, Jason Peters, Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith, when he comes back on the offensive line, that I'm not gonna say I, I'm not gonna say too much to get ahead of myself. But if the offense can do what it does, the defense hasn't given up hasn't given up 20 points to any team yet. If they keep going like this, what like here now and put the offense in a good position, and Kellen Moore can put the offense in a good position to score points. It could be a good playoff run for them boys. But here's – I have one question for you. 
I love that lineup. If you could get all five of them on the field at one time. But here's the question for you. Who's going to snap the ball of that five? Who's going to snap the ball? Oh, Zach Martin. So you're going to put Zach Martin at center? Yes, of course. Mm. Would you not? If he could play it, I absolutely would. That That's your best five offensive linemen. I absolutely would love to see them on the field. But I agree with your point, though. Tyler Smith is a man. That is a grown man. And he is handling <laughs> – he is handling his business out there. He is you you uh, you don't have you don't have to worry about. I haven't seen him getting beat. I haven't seen you know these 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 all pro linebackers and and rushers on that side. You know, you know making him look bad. He's he is handling his own. I, I've been watching him and seeing how he's moving people off that line, getting down that field. He's taking out those little. 195 pound defensive backs they don't want any part of him so he he is handling his own and and i'm not sure that's going to be a a good dilemma to have when when tyron smith tyron smith is actually healthy and comes back and if the rest of this line actually stays healthy to see what the cowboys do and see how they can put those five on the field together if they can do it but if you give me those five on the field together, oh, yeah, we going places at that point. And I think what the best thing that the Cowboys do is, like, with Zach Martin, they have him play different areas of the field. Like, they interchange their linemen to where they can play multiple positions on the offensive line. So I think if you give Zach Martin a couple weeks at center to snap the ball and get the ball to Dak on that offensive line, I think they will be all right. But here in week four, Dad, as we just said, we have the Washington Commanders coming up here at home. I will be in attendance. I'll be working the game, unfortunately, for our fraternity and our chapter. But the story of the game is, so the Cowboys lead the game, lead the league in total sacks. But on Washington's side, they have given up the most sacks. And Carson Wentz is getting being sacked left and right. So... What would be your keys to the game going into Sunday? Well, Sunday morning, I guess Sunday afternoon. Can Cooper Rush continue to – well, I won't even say can Cooper Rush. I will say can Kellen Moore continue to call uh, a, a, a watered-down game plan and if I won't say watered down, let me let me – I'll give Cooper Rush better, get him benefit. Can uh, an efficient game plan – for Cooper Rush, not don't put too much on his plate. And and I will say this: Cooper Rush is he he's taking it all in stride. He hasn't he has. been rattled in the pocket. He stood back there. He's made the throws. You know, it, it sucks that, which I've already said, C.D. Lamb is to me is still not a number one receiver. But that's for another time. Mm. Uh, that he's dropping passes and things. So he has. You know, I, I, Cooper Rush has has not been the problem at all. So can can Kellen Moore call an efficient game? The defense is going to take care of business. I, you know, we had a, a, a sick um, line. You know, with, with our, our best player was uh, Michael was sick on Monday night, and you know he 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 you know but he still made an impact on the game. You know, they had to double team him, which opens up 
the rest of those those defensive linemen to have one on one. So it, you got to win those battles. You know, uh, they had a mobile quarterback in, in Jones, which, you know, causes fits for that line. However, I don't think, you know, Wentz is kind of mobile. I don't think he's as mobile as Jones. So Wentz should be, you know, easy pickings uh, for, you know, if these defensive linemen can get out the ball. And if they, you know, especially if they try to double team, triple team Michael Parsons, that those those defensive linemen we have will win those one-on-one battles uh, with the commander's uh, offensive line. But the key is going to be Kellen Moore's game plan uh, for that game. And uh, making and Cooper Rush, you know, minimize. He's not made any mistakes. He's you know, interceptions uh, have you know he have been very minimal. And making sure that he stays, it stays that way. And the Cowboys should come out of here with an easy victory for the if that all those take place. Right. And we have five minutes here left, so I'm gonna keep my keys real short. I'm just gonna say because we got another topic to get into too for the last five minutes, but I'm just gonna say just keep the offense simple. As we said, the defense is gonna do what it does. We already know what Mike is going to do and what the whole defense as a, as a unit is going to do. So just keep the game simple. Make sure they get those opening holes for Tony Pollard because when he gets in the game, it's like a completely different running game because you don't have Zeke who's much slower than Tony Pollard trying to ground, uh, ground and pound the ball when you can have speed and open up the field more. So that's our Cowboys wrap-up. But here now, we don't really talk about too much baseball, but – we just cannot skip over this guy that's been out of this world pretty much for this season. He's bet on himself because the Yankees have not given him a contract. So he might be in that 400 million because, you know, baseball money is different. But that on Wednesday, yesterday, as we're recording this, Aaron Judge hit home run number 61. He's tied the record. If you want to say he's tied the record. Because we all know Barry Bonds has the official record, but that's for another day and another discussion. But I just want to say, I, I want to ask you, how incredible is it to see somebody who isn't, well, we assume he isn't on anything like PEDs or steroids getting to 61 home runs here now. And now he has a potential of breaking the record probably against the Rangers in the next few games coming up. So how incredible is it to see that? Uh, I mean, that's it's a tremendous feat. I, I although I think he's gonna break the record. Uh, what is the record? Sixty-two. Uh, yeah. What, what is Bonds? Bonds has one more. Yeah. So yes, I, I I think that record will be broken before he makes it to uh, Arlington to play the Rangers. Uh, they're in Baltimore. Uh, no, they're at home against Baltimore this weekend. So, uh, I I I feel he will break that record this weekend, and and probably you know he'll pad it uh, against the Rangers. So. Uh, it'll just continue to go up. But, you know, for someone to to do that, you know, like you said, in this era uh, without ju- uh, juicing it up or whatever the case is, uh, it is a tremendous feat. Um, you know, they talk about all of the changes made to the baseball and all of these different things, the different parks, um, you know, all of these things come into it. But even still, you know, he's put 60 – He's put 61 balls out the ballpark. So, you know, no one else is, you know, very few men have done that, whether they juiced or not. They they haven't put 61 out the ballpark. And he's, he's you know, right now put 61 out the ballpark with, what, six or seven games left to play. So he's still got time. To, he's, to, he's got time to get to 70. Uh, 
I, I you know, it, it'll be hard, but hey, I, at this point, he's got the, the, the special with this Rangers pitching staff and, and Baltimore <laughs> pitching staff. You know, he's got time to get to get to seventy. You know, at six, okay, sixty-five. I'll give him sixty-five. But he he definitely will. I think he will definitely break that record this weekend unless they walk him uh, every pitch every time he comes to bat, which I don't think they will do. Right. And like I said, we got a couple of seconds here left. But like I said, and 61 home runs, regardless if you are on juice, not on juice, not taking PD, you still have to find a way to hit the ball regardless of what it is. So him still being able to hit 61 and then coming here and then he's probably going to break the record. It still is incredible as a fan, even if you don't like the Yankees, which I don't, but regardless, it is still incredible to see, but dad, I appreciate you for joining me here and being my temporary ace for the week. Hopefully you can come back. Uh, we have some, I know you have some other guests that you want to bring on as well. Yes, so sir. I do appreciate you coming on here and being with me. And hopefully by the time we come next week, Aaron Judge will have broken the record and then we will have our true flowers. But we're running out of time here on the BGC Sports Network. This is the Ace and Trey Club. We'll be back next week.